All right, we're back with the Front Nine Podcast, and uh, Nate, you had a uh, had a pretty nice dinner tonight, I heard. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that, man. What you What you have for dinner tonight? Uh, yeah, we need to start a foodie podcast because uh, <laughs> I I love going to really nice restaurants, especially yeah. when other people are paying. I, so, shout out I, to my buddy Tim and and John for picking up the check. Um, uh, I think I think you I think you uh, take more pictures of your food and post it on Instagram than almost anything else. So I do. No, there's two. Th- I agree. There's food two, and golf courses. Three things. That's right. Food, golf courses, and my kids. Those are the only right. things that I take pictures of. Um, no, it was great. I had uh, steak frites, uh, apoa sauce. So I, I I'm stuffed sitting here. <laughs> awesome, Bob. How's it going, man? Man, it's uh, it's great. I am I'm still just basking in my uh, my victory over the weekend, and I'm sure we're going to talk lots about that. And I can't wait to gloat because that's what I do best. So I'm looking forward. <laughs> <Yeah>. to it. <laughs> well, we can't we can't wait to uh, to cheer you on in your gloating. So I'm sure all of our listeners are are also cheering you on and saying, "Man, he picked he picked the winner. That's awesome." Uh, so anyway, but we uh, we started this segment last week called "Now on the Tee." And so, uh, as we said, you know, we're just going to try and make this like a weekly thing where we kick off our podcast uh, with this now on the T segment of where we each talk about something that stood out in in the world of golf uh, since the last time we recorded. And uh, and so, uh, Nate, you're going to kick us off. And so you're now on the T. Uh, so what do you got for us this week? Yeah. So this week, an interesting item that that I saw on social media, and and I actually saw it on the coverage. Um, Bryson DeChambeau's driver looks amazing, right? He's got that white uh, L.A. golf shaft uh, with a kind of murdered out all black matte uh, Cobra driver. I didn't realize that it wasn't their most recent, you know, rad or or speed zone uh, models. I found out after the fact that it's actually four years old. It's an old version of a driver, five degrees of loft that he's using. He tries to hit up at at (laughs) six degrees which, you know, effectively makes his launch angle around 11 or 12 degrees, obviously matching that with 1,400, 1,500 RPMs of spin, which is kind of ideal or preferred for him. Uh, I just find it really interesting that he's out there playing in a professional golf event with a driver that's effectively four or five years old. I, I yeah. think that's a, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the podcast about what we actually have in the bag, because I love talking equipment, but you would think that, you know, one, it's a really good example for kind of the amateur everyday golfer to understand that the gains that are experienced by these manufacturers year over year are not very large. I think typically they say five years is about when you should start looking at getting a new driver because some of the benefits, whether that's distance or whether that's forgiveness, is actually... Uh, substantial enough to justify the purchase of a new club mm. because these drivers are in development you know all, all golf clubs are but these drivers are in development for two three four years before they ever actually you know hit the the edwin watts or, or golf galaxy shelves so i mm-hmm. find it i found it really interesting that bryson DeChambeau, mad scientist guy who's in the lab working on his numbers we know he's trying to do the long drive, and we saw that on the par five where he's literally hyping up the crowd, giving air fist bumps uh, when he carries the water. You know, I think he hit that one 370 into the rough on the other side. It was crazy. Um, 
But it's interesting he's doing all of that with a driver that's that's four or five years old. Yeah, so, so that, that's my interesting. My, I, yeah, I guess week. I guess my I guess my question, like I mean, obviously, like it's he's like obviously a Cobra guy, and he's you know repping and does a commercial for their new driver. You're right, but to find out to find out that he's not even playing that driver is kind of interesting because he's you know he's doing a commercial. Obviously, I know he gets paid to do the commercial, but. You would yeah. you would think uh, that if he's going to do the commercial, he would also play the product, but I guess maybe not. Well, and you would think um, Cobra Cobra is really interested in making sure that he does that, right? right? I mean, yeah. they would want him to be playing the most. Re- I mean, that's what they do. That's right. what golf club companies do. There's actually certain yeah. clauses and certain contracts that require guys to do that. Yeah, and I know of situations where, especially in the days of black and white and gray drivers, where guys would be playing different models, but they would paint them like mm. other models, so that mm-hmm. it looked like they were playing certain models. So it's right. in everybody's best interest, Cobra included, to get Bryson the most recent version right. of the driver. But there's nobody that's on that on tour that probably works on his numbers or tinkers around with equipment more than Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. So you can, you can guarantee that he went through a ton of research and development to come to the conclusion that this driver gives him the best results. But it's also interesting because there's nobody else on the planet that is going to play like Bryson DeChambeau either. Right. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not like the driver that Cobra puts out isn't good for you or me just because Bryson DeChambeau doesn't play it. Oh, no, like man. That, I'm going that's, to... a, that's a falsity that I think, like, I can remember growing up and everybody wanted the, the Titleist 975D because that's what Tiger had in his bag. Right. Everybody wanted that with the true temper steel shaft and the cord grip because that's what Tiger used to win the Masters. Every kid in high school on the team wanted that driver. But that's not what was in our best interest. Right. Because Tiger Woods is playing. It doesn't mean we should be playing it. Right. So kind of that general thought. Well, I don't care what you say. I'm going to play it against sports and I'm going to find that four year old Cobra driver and I'm going to put it in the bag next week. I guarantee you, you so. can find it on eBay for less than a hundred bucks. Guarantee find it for less than a hundred bucks, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, how about how about this will be an interesting aspect of the pod? How about this? How about next week? You see by next week if you can find this driver on eBay for less than a hundred bucks and report back if you found one. And and if, okay, if do so, I to, do I have to purchase it for use? Well, I mean, you don't have to, but I mean, okay. it, I think it would be an interesting aspect of the, you know, to to purchase it. I mean, if my if my ball speed was one ninety five or whatever price <laughs> was, I might one ninety six. Right, yeah. I might try it, yeah. but I don't know yeah. how much help it would it would do me because I think <laughs> I don't know what my ball speed number is. My swing speed is only like one eighteen, so it's not like I'm uh, only one eighteen. It yeah. is well, that's nothing compared to what he swings at. I, yeah. I think your ball speed is going to be a little less than 190. <laughs> oh, it's going to be significantly less. You're swinging, you're swinging it as hard as Tiger is right now, so that's you know, that's something. All right, so Bob, what, you have something for us. Uh, you're now on the tee, so uh, so what do you have for us this week? Well, you know, it's the I think the ultimate accomplishment in golf, right, is an ace, is, is a hole in one, and uh, that's I think. All of us, we get on a tee box or we, we dream about getting a hole-in-one. Ever since, you know, I started playing clubs when I, when I was, you know, just a little little, little kid. And uh, there's an article this week that came out that there's this guy from Naples, Florida, who had three aces in a week at Heritage Bay uh, Golf Club down in Naples. And, you know, it got me kind of thinking, you know, I've 
I've never had a hole in one. Uh, this guy gets three. He's obviously clearly lucky. But you know, I started going through the math, and you know, according to PGA.com, the odds of an average golfer getting a hole in one are twelve thousand to one. So I started going through all of the uh, how many rounds I've played, and I started adding up, and I've played about three thousand rounds. So you figure there's four par threes in every round. So I've played 12,000 holes. So I should have a hole in one by now. Well, I started doing more research and a single digit handicapper, their odds of a hole in one are 5,000 to one. So I really should have two holes in one by now and I don't have any. So I'm really looking forward to 2021 as we start uh, playing more golf. And, you know, a lot of courses are starting to open up now and uh, we're getting ready to play and uh, get into our summer swing And I'm really feeling I'm going to get at least two, maybe three. I might even get 10 holes in one this summer and just catch all up. So I am pumped and ready to go. I can't wait. So uh, the odds are in my favor. Yeah, I mean, if we're lucky, you might have three on on our golf trip. On the golf trip, yeah. Just imagine that. It's fantastic. Every every par three at Pinehurst going down. That is still an all-time moment in, in golf trip history, though. Our buddy Richard at True Blue, I think, right, Bob? In Myrtle Beach. Yeah, True Blue, number twelve or thirteen at True Blue. Yeah, it was on it was on the back nine. It was the it, it has a very interesting shaped green where you can like work the ball back to that left portion. And it seemed to be on the green for a really long time, and then all of a sudden it hit the flag and went in. And I think we were playing as like a seven some at that point in the afternoon. We had we had seven. That was our second round of the day. We'd played Caledonia yeah. in the morning, and we were all playing in the afternoon. The course was to ourselves, and uh, Richard gets in there, knocks it in there, and then it goes Nate, crazy. It, you know, everybody throw, goes crazy, throwing everybody, clubs, yeah. like high five, like just pandemonium. Yeah. It was a ton of fun. <laughs> and then Zach and I step up after Richard, and we almost do the same thing. I mean, I think I hit it in there to four feet, and Zach hit it in there to seven. And do you remember who was after that? Because I, I have vivid memories of this. It was no, me. What? Oh, yeah? And, and, you like and I, I'm it? stepping up there. And yeah. we've got one in the Causal hole. Rocket. And we've got our match going or whatever. And then you guys are sitting there right in. And then I think Forsty was on my team. And he had dunked it in the water. And he's like, oh, you got to hit the green. I'm like, all right. And I hit an utter snap hook right into the water. <laughs> uh, and it was I, – I could not follow those shots. I just – I caved <laughs> to the pressure. <laughs> but that was Richard's hole-in-one was an all-time moment. I think we went back in the clubhouse, and they put his name on a plaque or something. Yeah. Like, that was That's a, awesome. That was a great day. That's that awesome. was awesome. Yep. So, um, so, Bob, you said you don't have any hole-in-ones. I don't have any hole-in-ones. I've holed out from the fairway three times. Uh, Nate, how many hole-in-ones do you have? I do. I have three. Um, so two of them were at Palm Valley, which is a, a local Jacksonville par three course. So not necessarily, I mean, I think one was 90 yards and the other one was 80 yards. So it was more like a hole out with a, a 60 degree wedge. Um, <laughs> but the, I do have one at, at Jack's golf number. What is that? 12, 12. Yeah. Uh, probably about 160 yards, 170 yeah. yards. I would, the yeah. Wind was, it usually plays about that. The wind was blowing pretty hard that day. I actually, it, I kind of hit it up and uh, hit a relatively straight shot. The wind kind of held it up and it was falling just a little bit right. It was one of those perfect ones that you draw up. Uh, it takes one bounce and kind of immediately falls right, rolls in the hole. The sad part was I was out there walking, playing by myself. 
So I like took a picture as soon as it happened. And I think I text you guys. I think I text yeah. you, Bob yeah. and, and Robbie. That's like, right. hey, I just made a hole in one. And then, of course, you get the answer back. You know, you get the response like, yeah, of course you did. Who's there? We don't, we don't even see it. No, it doesn't count. Yeah. You know, so that kind of stuff. But yeah, so those those are my three. Nice. Nice. Well, um, so what I, what, I, what I found interesting this week was obviously Sunday afternoon uh, news came out. Brooks Kepka was withdrawing from the players. Um, he'd been in really good form uh, heading into the players, obviously in bad form up until uh, his win at Phoenix, and then uh, had played pretty well since then, uh, been in contention a couple times since then, and, uh, but missing the players because of a knee injury. Um, and and it kind of, you know, it, it honestly, it reminds me a lot of what's gone on with Tiger over the years of where he just, he's this, very high level player, obviously not to Tiger's fame, but but still a very high level guy that a lot of people want to watch and a lot of people want to see what is he going to do, how is he going to play, where is he going to finish, all that kind of stuff. And and he's dealing with all these injuries and and it's been really hindering his his game. And I just I can't help but wonder is this going to be like the trend of Brooks Kepka, and is this trend due to like his his exercise routine and his workout routine because I think that that was one of those things that like I truly believe that not only was Tiger's golf swing causing issues with his body but I think him putting himself under the type of pressure and stress in the weight room um, day in and day out and working out as hard as he did and bulking up like he did and all of those kinds of things also I think just exasperated some of those issues and I think maybe it's doing the same thing for Brooks. And uh, I hate that he's not going to be in the field. I'm not a huge Brooks guy, but at the same time, I mean, I I love watching good golf, and I love watching the best players in the world. And I think clearly, um, over the last few years, Brooks Koepka has been one of the best players in the world that that we should want to watch in a tournament like the Players. And um, and so. For that's me, that's kind of a yeah. yeah I mean, that's I, the question, I, right? And I think that yeah. that ties back into Brandle. I know Brandle, you know, was uh, Brandle Chambly, uh, commentator on the Golf Channel. Was he was criticized? I think when he would say that stuff about Tiger, this kind of in, in the right. same vein of you know, ha, does doing this crazy workout actually help you in golf, or does it ultimately just make you more injury prone? Right? Whether that's right. your your knee injuries your back injuries, you know, those types of things. Right. Um, and I think he said that about Brooks as well. And then Brooks goes on that streak, wins the majors. But I think Brandel's point, and not to sit here and defend Brandel Chambly, even though I do think some of his insight is, you know, particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, I think he's a troll sometimes just to say, <laughs> yeah, to, well, to be the contrarian. Yeah, I think he's just plays the devil's advocate a lot. I, I think yeah. so sometimes. But his point is long term, right? Yeah. Nobody, nobody disagrees that you know Brooks when he shows up for the majors is a force to contend with. Uh, but long term, does all that working out really help you if it ultimately just shortens your career? And it's yeah, tough because yeah. you know I think you know especially for Tiger and Brooks and a lot of these guys that uh, regimen that workout regimen is part of what makes them so good when they are healthy and when they're there that they've got the strength and flexibility and. Uh, the things that they work on to compete the way they do. Uh, but, 
so it, it's tough to, if it shortens the career is it worth it you know i it's uh that's uh, that's a hard answer for these guys to consider as they're trying to figure out what's the best path to take right and i think one of the things that like you know you lose a lot of flexibility when you put on a lot of muscle and golf is one of those games that you have to be com- like you have to be overly flexible almost well i think and that's so what they that's that's you, what they you, work on to develop. Yeah, so you, you got to try and maintain. Like, if you're going to build a lot of muscle, you still have to also figure out a way to maintain that flexibility, which I think is it's very difficult because they're two different types of things. Well, and I and think so, that's to yeah. me that's where that that injury prone that that's where it comes from is right. because typically those two things are are somewhat opposite, right? When you right. become bulky, you're by definition less flexible. But right. golf requires flexibility, so you have to kind of force that bulk to be flexible when otherwise it, it may not be. And I am certainly no exercise physiologist, scientist here, uh, although I do have a doctorate degree. I think it's important <laughs> to say that. Um, I don't think yeah. that degree helps yeah, in this no, argument. No, not, yeah, not no, that kind jur- of doctorate. The jurist no. doctorate doesn't, yeah. doesn't help here, does it? Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, you can't read Hank Haney's book about Tiger and not think that that's exactly what he thought. Right. You know, the stuff that he describes Tiger doing where he would, you know, go out and do short game and go to the range and then he would go run seven miles in combat boots and lift weights for two hours and then go play nine holes. I mean, Hank Haney's conclusion in that book is directly that his workout routine, Tiger's workout routine is what has shortened his career. Yeah. All of the knee issues, all of the back issues, all of the leg issues, that's all relating to the fact that right. he thought he was working out really hard. Maybe he was, but ultimately that wear and tear is what, you know, you, you, no body, it doesn't matter who you are, you, your body can't stand up to that kind of, um, you know, just physical abuse. Right. And, and I mean, I think the same could be said with, for about a guy like Jason Day, too, right? Like, had a lot of back problems, a lot of back issues. He also kind of got in the weight room and started, like, trying to, you know, work out and bulk up a little bit. And uh, and I think he started to experience some of those issues around the same time uh, of, of doing some of those things. So I think, I think it is a slippery slope, you know? I mean, I think, obviously, we've seen some great body transformations and guys like St- Scott Stallings and even Rory um, and... Um, and some of those guys, I, I even think that, man, like if you look at Bryson, that's a, that's a huge transformation. Uh, Victor Hovland, I feel like is, has bulked up some, uh, Xander Shoffley, same thing. But I think, but I think they're doing it in a way that their main, they're they're not really bulking up as much as they're, they're toning up, if that makes sense. And so. Hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. And I don't I I think the Scott Stalling situation may be different. I just think he like just from, you know, he's a big CrossFit guy now and so yeah. you know, I think he just likes to work out. Like his buddies like to work out. He has this really cool gym if you haven't seen it. I think yeah, it's pretty dope. the PGA yeah. Tour thing. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. And he hits range balls like over houses, which yeah. is really 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 neat. <laughs> yeah, he, he just he just hits he just hits them into the woods in his neighborhood. Yeah. Which is which is crazy, but like it's also it's also one of those things where like I think his was like he actually went to a doctor and the doctor said if you don't do something different you're gonna die, right? So like he started well, then, working out because okay. he if he didn't he was going to die, right? Like, and then so, he found out and then he found out that he really liked it, but the problem it goes back to that same issue, yeah. Working out is great, but does it make you a better golfer? Yeah, one for him and his sake, right. and he's always been that guy that he's like you know kind of like. Uh, 
there's, there's guys on tour that either they're in contention or they're missing cuts. And, right. and that's kind of Scott Stallings. I mean, he's won probably three or four times on tour. He's a name that we all recognize. But you, does working out make you a better golfer? I, I don't know that the answer to that is yes. Like, like being in peak physical condition certainly does. But right. does that include doing, you know, muscle-ups and a bunch of squats and heavy weights? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, right? Yeah. Like, if you think about the workout regimen, I know Justin Thomas has posted some stuff about this recently. He does a lot of cardio and medicine right. ball work, right? He doesn't do yeah. a bunch of curls or squats or bench press or anything with heavy weights, really, which... Honestly, again, I am not qualified to give this opinion, but that seems to be better long term right. because you're not necessarily building that that muscle or bulk. And I don't think I mean I think it's important to say since Rory went on that as well, has he won a major? Since Rory has been really shaped and really toned? Oh yeah, yeah. 2014 he won he won two well, majors. No, I think it's right, but I think it's after yeah. that. He got he got into no, that he was, 16, he, 17, 18. No, I think I think he I think he had trimmed down by the time he won. Well, the yeah, he had lost kind of the because he was pudgy for a while, kind of like baby fat pudgy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I only say that because I know the feeling. Like that's what I. <laughs> so I live most of my life. Oh, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. I'm just saying, like recently, he's got into this fitness mode, and he doesn't win nearly as much as he used to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you. Um, but anyway, I just think th- those are those are some interesting things that uh, we uh, have experienced and seen happen in the world of golf over the last week since we uh, last recorded. So hopefully, uh, those things are also if you didn't know about those things or you're you know are also interested in listening about the and hearing those things, maybe those things were good for you. Uh, but that was our now on the tee segment. Now we're going to be into our tournament recap of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, of which, Bob, you get Woo-hoo! to gloat as much as you want. It's your time, your floor. You just go at it and tell us how awesome Bryson DeChambeau is. You know, it. Uh, I just, it's, I'm just, I'm not an oracle. Just call me like Oracle, Oracle Bob, Bob the Oracle. Well, so why did you, I, this, so this is the interesting part to me, right? Let's deconstruct this a little bit. Why did you pick Bryson? What did you think he would, like, did you just think he would hit the ball really far and that would be a big advantage? <laughs> so that, that, that's a great question. I think that's a good way to look into this, right? And, you know, when we looked at the field, uh, the there were a number of people that were, uh, I, I think, that no one's really dominated the course, uh, right since since Tiger, right, and, and Tiger he won there what seven, eight times, something like that. A lot. And yeah. you start thinking about who the winners at uh, a course like Bay Hill are. Uh, they tend to be, you know, people that can take advantage of their power and their length, right? That course, it's the the rough is long and a lot of spots, and you saw that in a number of places where when Bryson was in a spot in the rough. He was able to get out of it just using strength, right? Not necessarily the length of his drive, but uh, that had a, a lot to do with it. But that he could, you know, muscle his nine iron out of that rough and get it onto the green to or around the green to save his par and make his birdie. He, I can't tell you how many times he did that. Um, but uh, it, it's a longer course than they've played in the last couple of weeks, right? Uh, concession wasn't really all that long. Uh, Riviera's not that long, um, so it. it lends itself to a course that uh, somebody that's got a little more power gives them a little bit more advantage. Um, and we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, you go on to hole 17 there at the end, you know, we talked, he was hitting 
uh, a six iron into the green on Sunday when everyone else was hitting four irons and five irons and hybrids and things like that. Uh, and that's just a huge advantage for a guy like Bryson. And then uh, some of it's just dumb luck, right? I won't to. Uh, I won't say that it's all skill on my part, though it's mostly <laughs> skill. Um, he putted tremendous throughout the week, and uh, that's you know, I mean that that was that was great. I mean, even a guy like Lee Westwood, right? Westwood has always been one of the longer hitters on tour, and he kind of put it together this week. And I think we can talk a little bit about him. Uh, but that course sets up well for someone who is got a little more power and is pounding it and can uh, take advantage of that strength. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's ball striking, right? That's what, that's what a course yeah. like, I, I would think the, and we talk about this a little bit on the pod, but generally speaking, the successful golfers at any given PGA tour event are going to be the elite ball strikers. And then typically the winner of that week is going to be the best putter of those elite ball strikers. Not that they're necessarily going to be the best putter in the field, but that they're going to be the best putter of the top, say, 15 ball strikers because they're going to give themselves that many more opportunities. They're going to hit fairways. They're going to hit it further so that they're going to have shorter clubs, which is going to give them a higher percentage of opportunity to make a birdie on a hole. So the guys that are good with their putters in any given week are typically going to win. But I don't know about you guys. What I want to see is a showdown between Bryson and DJ when they're both on their A game. Because one of the oh. things that I always toss around in my head is if this guy is on his A game and everybody else is on their A game, who can't he beat? And Bryson, to me, over the last year or so, you know what he did at Wingfoot and what he's done earlier this year, if he's on his A game... I'm not sure that I would, even when everybody else is on their A game, I'm not sure that I would think that Bryson's an underdog against anybody else other than DJ. And I'm not so sure that I, you know, Bryson isn't closing that gap other than the fact that I think DJ's done it more consistently over a longer period of time. So there's a little bit of a better sample. But I know we were kind of texting back and forth on the text string on Saturday and Sunday but when he plays like he was, there are just times that he looks unbeatable, right? Like, I mean, he hits the ball so far, and even with some of those shorter irons that he has, and he just makes so many putts for a guy who hits the ball so far and strikes it so well, it's like, yeah, no wonder this guy has a lead right now because nobody can keep up with this. And then he does something really dumb and kind of falls back to the field a little <laughs> bit. But... um Man, he, he looks really, really good. And I don't know that his length is necessarily, and, you know, not to, we'll look ahead. I don't know that his length necessarily plays at Sawgrass, other than the fact he's going to try to drive it on the, I, I think I saw, because I'm going out there tomorrow, they, they may have an event where he tries to drive the ninth green from the 10th tee, which is really oh. interesting. If you've ever been to Sawgrass, like, you have to kind of mm -hmm. drive it across, like, all the spectators basically so it'd be interesting to see how that goes um but I, he, he's playing really well and i'm not sure who i would pick if i knew bryson was going to play his best I, i'm not sure that there's anybody that can really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him right now i think that would be an interesting thing to see happen maybe in the match play in a couple weeks right like that would be a really cool um thing to to see play out um in texas at the match play i mean we could get it um, at augusta that that would be like that would, I, yeah I, we could get it at augusta. Like that'd augusta's... be cool except for the fact that like 
here's 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 my like my issue with the way Bryson went into Augusta in the fall, and I hope I hope his hubris has gone down a little bit since then. Right. But like yeah. he he walked in basically saying this is a par sixty seven, and it's like well okay well then you just went out and shot five over par. On your par sixty. Well, I think he would on, have agreed. Yeah. They wanted day two. Yeah, but he would have and, agreed with you too. Right. Well, and but but what I'm saying is is like I mean, but still that 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 that's a that's an arrogant position to not respect that golf course in that kind of way. You know what I mean? And I just that to me is it bothers me that like the 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 best golf course we have on in at the professional level and maybe in the world was completely and totally in in that regard disrespected. And I get what he's trying to say, but like I you just don't you don't need to say that. You know what I mean? Like okay, you, you, you can think to, that's one of those yeah. that you can that's think a statement. It, just, you don't correct. need to say it. Yeah. Think it, talk um, about it in your camp. Don't say it to the media and turn it into a thing. Yeah. I, yeah. Because yeah, when good, you go out and you shoot yeah. seventy two you and you're bad. even par and you're right in the like you're you're toward the bottom, you know, half of the field and the winner wins at 20 under you know and sets a like you're just you just make yourself look like an idiot but but at the same um, time though that's it, a, is he wrong time, like, though no he's not wrong and that's the thing like i think he would admit it if you don't play well you're not going to score well we've all been there right right i mean but, you know like you but can i think say, you, uh, but like, i oh, think man. even by saying that you put pressure on yourself to play well every day you yeah, put your pressure you, on yourself to shoot five under par every single day but if and, you don't, then it doesn't. I don't know. I think expectations and you know that's all fake and and self created. And if Bryson legitimately thinks that it's a par six, I, I agree with you. Your point is well taken. He should think that and not say it. But he's not wrong, right? Yeah, he he well, should shoot that. Like that that is par. That's a solid round of golf for him. He should shoot sixty eight around that golf course. And if he shoots six, seven under, well, then he he played a good round of golf. And if he shoots over that, like, you know, he's just setting up his own expectation. I don't know why you would share that with anybody. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, But if that's what he thinks and he's trying to be honest, then, you know, I don't I I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, I just I you know, I I honestly like watching this past weekend. I didn't think that he actually had his best stuff. Um, And I agree. Still won. But yeah. Yeah, but but he didn't. I don't. He, I mean, he didn't even have close to his best stuff. And I think if he would have, it would. I mean, it wouldn't even been close. Um, now I think he played really solid down the stretch. He hit the ball the way he needed to hit the ball. He he struck it really well. Um, he putted it amazingly well on Sunday. Um, over a hundred feet of putts made before he even got to the twelfth hole. Uh, it was just. It was. It was an. It was a very inspiring round of golf. Um, even the, even though he only was one under on the day, like well, he played a really real- solid round of golf when he needed to play a solid round of golf, and uh, that that yeah. he he made the putts that he had to make. And if he, I mean, honestly, um, if he didn't make some of those twenty five thirty footers, like I don't know that he would have been able to hold it together mentally, um, you know. But but he made some of those putts, and that's I think that's really. Where it made the difference, and and I was and I and I threw this question out, and I, I think you know you guys have alluded to it a little bit, but like do you, I mean I wonder if like his distance is really as big an advantage as we make it out to be because like I was watching him, and and he made birdie on the on number six, and then you know I think this is on Saturday, and then Hovland came up, 
and and he made eagle um or not eagle but he made birdie just as easily like his, his birdie was just as easy of a birdie as bryson's but he didn't take on the risk that bryson took on on number six like to to take off and cut off as much as he cut off and carry as much water as he like i think i think hovland had 215 into the green for his second shot so it didn't take on the the same number of risk or amount of risk and i just don't know is the risk worth the reward when it's very rarely a reward and that and that was kind of what i'm thinking is like is 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 his um is his distance really an advantage? And I think you guys have, you know, maybe alluded to that a little bit, but I mean. Yeah, no, I think for me, it's the answer is yes, right? And and I don't know that, you know, I don't watch every shot that every pro hits over the course of the week. But ultimately, if we're talking about the difference is one or two strokes over the course of the week, I think on average, over the course of four rounds, generally speaking, being I, I mean, what was he a couple of those rounds into that par five? I mean, he was, what, 100 yards? Yeah, his yards? last, his, his, yeah, Sunday he had 88 yards out of that right. bunker for a second so, shot. 88 yards for a second shot. I do think on the whole, if you could drop four balls in that bunker from 88 yards, he will do better than Victor Hovland from 215 with four balls. Yeah, and so I I do think it does have an advantage. Now, is that advantage four shots? Probably not. Um, and is Victor Hovland, who's a great ball striker, going to hit one in there and carve it up and make a putt for eagle? Sure. Um, but I I think on the whole that probably saves you two or three strokes. And and I think Bob brought up a really good point about how you know Bryson's a little bit different because he also uses the one length irons, so he he hits his shorter irons a little bit longer than than other guys would because they're longer. Um, and and his distance gapping and his short irons and his wedges is a little bit different than most guys on tour. But when he can hit, I think he came out and said he can hit an eight iron like 210. Did you guys catch that? Like he said, like, yeah, that's my eight iron. Like very, yeah. very flippant. Like, yeah, it's a par 68. Like same kind of statement. Um, when you can hit your eight iron that far, I think you're going to probably have some better results than somebody who has to hit a six iron or a five iron. So I, again, it may not make a specific difference in one round, but over the course of four throughout four days of competition, I do think it has a very, especially when he puts as well as he does um, his ball striking stats, specifically the distance, because he's going to be so much closer to the hole. I, I do think it has a, a rather large effect. Well, and I also, you know, we, you talk about number six at Bay Hill, and uh, Derek, you brought it up that he he took on the risk off the tee to carry it three twenty or whatever he had to carry it to, to carry that water, and uh, he ended up making the same score as a lot of the other guys. But at the same time, the other guys had to take the risk on the next shot not to block it left into the water. So they're you know when they're one hundred and seventy to two hundred and fifteen yards out. You know they're aiming you know, 10, 15, 20 yards to the right to protect that uh, that block or the I guess for me it's a block for everyone else in the world that's a it's a pull uh, yeah, in, in, into the water right where even Deshambo on Sunday and he hit kind of a really lousy bunker shot uh, he didn't have that problem the water simply wasn't in play you know uh, short was in play he left it short and ended up down in the in the little hole uh, but uh, the risk. He chose to take the risk off the tee 
to alleviate the risk on the next shot on that particular hole. And I think that's uh, I, I think that's a serious advantage, um, having the ability to make that decision. Now, does he do that every time? Right now, he does. <laughs> and you know, is he when he tees it up at Sawgrass this week? Uh, I guarantee you, he's not going to be able to do that all the time on a lot of those holes. Um, he's going to have to. Uh, work the ball a whole lot better if he wants to win. I mean, we've played there. We know how that, that course can can eat you up. It's not that long, but it's narrow, it's tight, and, and, and he's got to work it a little better. Uh, but he will have options, right? He can take the driver and carry the bunker and have a take that bunker out of play now, or the rest of the field can lay it back and then have to you know hit a longer iron into it. So I think uh, I definitely think it's an advantage. In, in a four-day tournament, uh, it's really hard to play well every day. It's really hard to stay on top of your game four rounds in a row. Mm. Uh, so having a small advantage uh, like your distance, I think over the course of four days, just gives you more room for error. Like on Friday, DeChambeau played terrible on Friday. I mean, he's, he was all over the place with his, his driver, and uh, I think he he missed – a handful of really short irons. Like I want to say on nine or 10, he drove it to 40 or 50 yards in front of the green and he left his pitch like 30 feet short of the hole, which is just for those guys is atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say he ended up with a bogey. I could be wrong, but it was, it was one of those where he didn't play well, but it was okay because he had two more days to make up for it. And then he played a whole lot better over the weekend and, you know, ended up, uh, ended up on top. So, Right. Uh, it's going to be fun for him to it's going to be fun at least for me as a fan to watch him look at courses cre- more creatively and take lines that nobody else has ever even thought of. And that that's going to be kind of fun to watch over the course of the next uh, couple months. Right. Yeah, and I think I think, you know, I to to the to kind of answer my own question a little bit. I I I was looking into some of the stats and and the one stat that really stood out to me was his par three scoring average. Uh, he leads the tour in par three scoring average. So um, to me, it seems like his ability to hit shorter irons into longer par threes is really where he's gaining advantage, such as like on 17 on Sunday, he hit six iron into 17 from like 225 or something like that, where a lot of guys were hitting four iron and maybe even five wood um, into that green. And, and that's just a very different game. I feel like even at that level, that's a, that's just a different, um, kind of, of game. And, um, and, and, you know, to, to your point as a fan, you know, I know that there are a lot of just like golf analysts who kind of critique the idea that like, he's not playing golf the way it should be played. And he's what's wrong with golf in a lot of ways. And and then yet, like, I mean, a number of people just tuned in just to watch him hit the hit his drive on six, you know, like just to see what he would do. Um, and well, and a lot a of, I mean, and so obviously your... the fans and obviously the fans at the tournament were just enthralled with what's he going to do? How far is he going to hit it? What's going to happen? You know, Jordan Spieth walked over to see where his, like, you know, Rory's caddy got, you know, walked over off the back of the tee, back of the green to to see what he was going to do. Like, I mean, just the other players were stopping to watch and see what he was going to do uh, during that tournament. I, I, so I, I, I just think it's fascinating in that regard that 
they're like everybody's got their eyes on Bryson and what's he going to do. So what's your what's your take on kind of the Bryson experiment as a whole? Me personally? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm not a. I'm I, not a huge fan of it. Well, because I don't. I don't. I don't. I like. Like so. I like, and not that it's for me either. Um, but I like the creativity. I think this like fits his personality. We've talked about this on the pod before about how I think that's what golf is, and it's, it's yeah. an expression of who you are, right? Like Brooks mm-hmm. wants to be kind of the, the quiet, you know, kind of Kobe like assassin out there. Mm-hmm. DJ is kind of the happy go lucky. Yep, I find it and I hit it again, and I make some putts, <laughs> right? And I think. <laughs> Spieth yeah. is that like internal talking dialogue, yeah. constant critique, you know, like that's kind of his yeah. personality and that's what comes out. And I think Bryson is the tinkerer, the mad scientist, the, yeah. I think I, you know, I've seen some stats and if I can get this ball speed, I can win this many times because I'll generate this many more chances. I like the, I like the individuality, the, the creativity. That's what golf needs more of. Golf does not need more guys uh, dressed in khakis, rolling out there, doing the same thing that's been done for for fifty years. Like I, I think it's really interesting, and it's another type of evolution of the game. And I think the USGA is way off base because I think some of their distance reports and and the RNA and and some of that stuff that they've done is in you know direct response to what he did at Wingfoot, right? Because yeah. they expected a you know a massacre at Wingfoot, hard, firm, fast, and and thick, rough. Uh, thin fairways, you know, that typically leads to high scores. And, and I think Bryson, you know, proved them wrong. Right. And so I well, think they were, they were a little shook, but kind of proved them wrong. I mean, he was the only guy in the field who finished under par. So, oh, but I correct. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, right. So they have to dial that back because they don't necessarily like that type of result. But I, I think those guys also don't realize that there's a ton of, athleticism creativity and and to be honest artistry involved in in what he does he's not just this big dumb idiot who lifts some weights and swings a golf club really hard like there's a there's a very intentional artistic process that goes into what he's doing and and I, i appreciate the fact that he's you know finding himself out there on the course like it's really it's really interesting and it's compelling and i think you use the term fascinating i like watching it like bob said as a fan yeah, it's great to watch. Yeah, no, I I think it's fascinating, and I think you know, I mean, even and and I I think it's fascinating the fact that like he has gained, it seems to me, he has gained the respect of other PGA Tour players for being willing to take the risks that he's taken to just try and get and take and take a his game to a different level than really any other player has, at least in a certain direction or a certain place, you know. Than, than any other tour player has really ever tried to go. I think everybody's been pursuing distance, but I don't think everybody has just like basically said, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change everything um, about the way I eat and about the way I work out and about how hard I am like training myself to swing hard and b- gain more speed." Like, uh, you know, a lot of guys go after more speed. I don't, I don't know how many guys go from swinging it you know, 121 to 136 in a matter of a year. You know what I mean? Like all over, all over quarantine too, which I think is a, is a story that's not like, I mean, this is what he did when he was at home in Dallas where he lives. Like he worked out every day. This is what he was Mm -hmm. doing, right? He was eating 15 pizzas, (laughs) 
27 <laughs> protein shakes, uh, you know, 18 eggs, and lifting weights and, and swinging hard. I mean, kudos yeah. to him. Steak for, frittatas. For or, 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 what would you yeah. Steak, uh, some steak frites. <laughs> frites. Yeah. Frites, sorry. No, he definitely, yeah. steak he definitely wasn't eating that. Too, yeah. No, no yeah. way. He, too much he cholesterol. Five plate, five plates of steak frites. Um, no. Uh, all right. So, did you guys have a good time watching Lee Westwood this past weekend? Absolutely. Oh yeah. I I mean I feel yeah, like that's I, I what, love watching the those guys. Yeah, that's what golf's about, and I think golf needs more of those guys, right? Yeah. Guys who don't take and and I think it's easy for Lee Westwood to be in that position. Everything that he's doing now is gravy. He's definitely kind of over the hill. He's a little bit older. Um, but you could tell just from him out there with the, the expressions, with some of the things that were, like, he was having a great time. Yeah. And I think you play your best golf when you're in that mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, he had some, he had some great shots. He missed some putts, but that's Lee Westwood, right? He's always been a ball striker that when he needed to make a putt or two to win a major, he, he just couldn't find it. And that's okay. Right. Because he right. still made probably $50 million in his career in, in just, you know, prize money that doesn't include endorsements. Um, he's going to live comfortably, and, and it looked like he had a great time. I, I think golf needs more of that not super serious, egocentric type mentality, and, and I think Westwood exemplified that, right? Like, that's what competition's about to me. That's the kind of golf that I like to play. Like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. go out there, and I'm going to try to play my best, and, and I want to win, but I also want to have fun being here because who knows yeah. how many times we're going to have left to, to be in this, you know? Right. And I think he relished that, and he I think that helped him get all the way to the 72nd hole. I mean, up in all the way to 18 when his drive, which he smoked, by the way, yeah, and he was only crazy. about five yards behind DeChambeau, it ends up in this divot. Uh, he didn't pout. He didn't throw his arms up in the air or you know do the Patrick Reed and try to like, oh, is that a sprinkler head underneath there that's not seen? And no, it was embedded. Yeah. You know, he, uh, <laughs> He he took it. He, he said, "You know what? I'm going to put a swing on this and give myself a chance." And he stuck it on the green and gave himself a chance to 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 win. Uh, yeah. And I think with a more with a different attitude, he doesn't execute that shot. You know, he he yeah. pulls it a little bit into the bunker, or he, he leaves it short, and and Deshambo has a really easy no stress victory. Um, yeah. But. Westwood did what he needed to do to say, hey, it's easy to make a five on this hole. Uh, I'm yeah. in a tough spot. Let me give myself a chance, and you never yeah. know what happens. Yeah, I mean, he made DeChambeau make a five-footer on the last hole to, to, to not go to a playoff. So I thought that that he – and he made like a seven-footer for par to do that. So, I, I mean, I really thought it was it, it was fascinating to watch him play just as much as fascinating to watch Bryson play because of just I felt like the difference in temperament – and uh, even Bryson said how much fun it was to play with him in that final round um, on Instagram, just how much he learned from Lee and how much in, like enjoyment he got out of playing with Lee. Uh, but like watching Lee throw his hands up in the air after, you know, on number six, uh, you know, seeing how they were laughing with one another, walking off 18 after, you know, obviously Bryson just beat him by one. But he's still laughing about it. He's having a good time. Um, I, I I had a fortunate opportunity to be on the golf course with some pretty you know well known golfers, and and I've been on the golf course with Darren Clark, and he was very much that same way. And I think you know they're, they're part of the kind of the same camp of people and and group of people. But like and it, but you know here's a major champion 
um, you know, great, you know, golfer, probably is going to be a Ryder Cup captain or has been a Ryder Cup captain and, um, and just is, you know, you know, one of those, one of those guys who, you know, just seems to enjoy being out there on the golf course with his buddies, just like us. Right. And, and it seemed like that's what it was for Lee Westwood, even, you know, in the middle of a tournament where, you know, a putt is the difference between, you know, another $500,000. But to him, it was just, you know, he was out there with his fiance. He was, you know, in sunny Florida wearing his schmedium Peter Millar vest. Yeah. And, it was and, a little snug. you know, yeah. it was, it was a little snug, but, you know, but, but having a good time and, um, and enjoying the game. And, and that, I, it was a ton of fun to watch. It was, it was a fun, a lot of fun to watch. And, Obviously, his game is in great form, and um, I think that that's really cool. I mean, he won the race to Dubai last year, um, so obviously it's in good form, and, and I look forward to seeing him play more this year. So speaking speaking of form, I feel like we have to talk about the weekly Spieth tracker. Oof. Are we, yeah. are we higher on Spieth, or, or are we kind of I, – because I, I will tell you, oh, man. I was impressed. I didn't expect him – you know, because some guys don't necessarily come out and try to. It's not that they're not trying. I, I just think the the difference in focus sometimes can can be a little challenging. And so I didn't necessarily expect him to be up there as high as he was for as long as he was. Right. Um. You know, kind of coming off a little bit of a break, getting ready for the players type thing. So, mm-hmm. um, what do you guys think? Are you are you high or are you buying or are you selling you. Jordan Spieth? I'm and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this as we uh, as we talk about players' picks and, and where we're going. But count me as a buyer. Uh, I mean, that's the first time he played the course, and he ripped it up. I mean, he he didn't he didn't, didn't win and he didn't play perfect, but man, um, I, he, he's uh, I got him on a very very short list this week. Yeah, a better a better Sunday and a he top fives, but Sunday was difficult for everybody. So, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, of course, you know, but but so I think I think what I would say is I think Saturday is the day he made the hole in one, right? Yes, and then um, he immediately and, and then he hold out from a bunker, and, and then, he made a bunch of putts, and and right. and what I would say is and he also I, hit he shot, like two balls in the water. He shot sixty seven. That is the that is the worst he could have shot. Like he literally he 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 shot sixty seven and I don't think he could have scored worse than that, um, based off the way that he played, you know what I mean? Um, and well, but and that's so speed, I think though, right? No, you, I I like get you that. You have to take like you, at what point outside of Phoenix is he going to hit fairways and make putts? Right. <laughs> well, the problem right. is you can't you can't <laughs> hit. Well, he didn't drives. hit any fairways in Phoenix either. You can't. <laughs> You can't drive the ball. Well, on Saturday he did. You can't drive the ball in the water and and right. like save rounds by making bogey putts. Right, right. like that. Right. That you're just yeah. not gonna. You're gonna be what you're doing. Right. You're gonna right. be a consistent top twenty-five, top ten performer. Right. But you're not going to win. And right. so the question is, it is, and I think the question now is, is that ever going to click? Not necessarily win, but is it going well, to Well, I said this a couple of weeks ago on the pod. I think the longer he goes contending without winning, the more pressure gets put on him. And 
and you know, I think he lives up to the pressure. He's Jordan Speed. You know what I mean? I don't think he crumbles under the pressure or anything. But at the same time, the more pressure gets put on him, the you know, uh, I believe that comes with him getting close but not getting over the hump. And I, I, I just, I, I don't think he is going to be able to put it together right now, from what I have seen, for seventy-two holes, and win a golf tournament. Obviously, he's done it for fifty-four holes a few times in the last month. He's finished and has four top fifteen finishes in his last four events. So I think he's obviously in much better form than he was. A, last year or a year before but but I and and I would not be surprised if at a place like Augusta a place that he loves and knows well he knows the greens and always seems to perform well and there's some sort of magic about being on Magnolia and driving down Magnolia Lane and all that kind of stuff like I wouldn't be surprised if he puts it together and wins there and if he does then I think man like the sky's the limit for for what he what he can do the rest of the year um, but I, I mean, he's got to get over the hump and get a win for, for me to feel like he's, he's completely back. I don't um, know. You talk about scar yeah. tissue though. Well, scar tissue in the number back nine, 12. Yeah. right. The back nine of Augusta and Jordan Spieth. I mean, he had it. Yeah. He had but he it also, but he's also gone down the stretch. He's also gone down the stretch and, and pulled it off. So he can, he can also say like, yeah, sure, I had that, but I he had, had that the- happen, but I've, yeah, yeah but he had, had the opposite experience before. as well. He has, but he had that opposite experience before he had the really negative experience too. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I, I would be worried that twelve on Sunday would. Uh, that'd be an interesting bet. Whether he can hit land on <laughs> twelve right. at Augusta on Sunday. <laughs> well, maybe we'll wait to see how he's playing that week, and then maybe we can make that bet. Um, yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if there's a place, I, you know, I don't, I, I could see it, I could see it happening as they go back to Texas as well. Cause I mean, obviously he's from Texas. Um, they're getting ready to hit the Texas swing here in a couple weeks. Um, I don't, I don't think this week at the players is the week. I think he will play well. Um, just cause I think he, he has the ability to, to basically make a par from anywhere just because of who he is. Um, but, but I, you know, I think he's probably somewhere in Texas or at Augusta. If he's going to win, it's going to be, it's going to be around there. Um, or a place, you know, like the John Deere or something like that this summer. So travelers maybe, but anyway, just places the places that he's played well and knows, knows fairly well and where the field maybe isn't going to be extremely deep. So, right. That'll be interesting. I mean, I think he's, we've talked about it. I think he's great for golf. Yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. I cheer, I cheer for him every oh, yeah. week. I like the yeah. good guy and I, uh, you know, yeah, I was, I know. was rooting hard for him this past week for sure. Yeah. Same. Yeah. You hope yeah. he can pull it out one of these weeks. Yeah. It would have been fascinating to have him and Bryson in a playoff on Sunday. That would have been great. Um, the, uh, so, so we're, we're, uh, so that's pretty much the recap for, for the Arnold Palmer, uh, we, uh, we decided this week, or I guess Nate decided, cause we kind of try and throw it around, uh, and, and let kind of, uh, the topic of discussion outside of PGA tour stuff, but just kind of our own personal golf life and golf game, uh, move 
around through us. And so Nate picked the topic for this week. So Nate, do you want to kind of lead us in and introduce kind of what we're going to be talking about next? Yeah. So one of the things that I find um, interesting, because it's something that every golfer can relate to regardless of skill level, is what's in the bag. Um, now, I'm a, I'm a pretty good amateur golfer, I, I, and I love equipment. So, you know, when I see a link for, uh, you know, uh, certain websites that post pictures of, uh, you know, the bags of PGA Tour pros, I always click in just to check it out and see. I, I find it interesting what kind of setup they have. Um, you know, what does their gaps look like? What is the top end of their bag? Do they have a five wood, a two iron, a hybrid, you know, those types of things. I, I find that really interesting. Um, and, and I just like to generally talk about equipment. I mean, that's one of the things that I talk about, you know, I, I have a buddy at John that at work that I talk golf with a lot and we do a lot of talking about equipment, right? John's probably an 18 handicap, so he doesn't have a lot in common with, with me, um, but it's always interesting to talk about, you know, what kind of wedge, what's your wedge set up? Do you, you know, do you carry a three iron? How many hybrids do you have? You know, those kinds of things. I think that kind of unites all golfers. All golfers are, are kind of equipment junkies, whether they, um, whether they put as much time in it as I do or not. So I, I want to hear from you guys specifically, um, just because I don't know that we've ever talked about this in detail, but, um, Talk about what's in your bag, like what's your current setup, what kind of, of clubs do you have, uh, what's your wedge setup, and, uh, and, and we'll kind of go from there. So I, I think it's something that everybody can kind of relate to on, on some level. Bob, do you want to go first or you want me to? Yeah, no. So I, uh, I've got Titleist Woods. Uh, I was fortunate enough as a uh, – that I bought uh, some Titleist woods, got fitted for them a couple years ago. Uh, so I've got the Titleist 917 D2 driver, um, and you know the the heads themselves, nothing all that special to them. Um, you know they're a couple generations old, right? But uh, uh, what uh, what I'm always interested in, right, is the shafts, and I, I've played with shafts a number of different times. Uh, but uh, the shafts that I've got in there right now into the driver is a uh is the uh, diamana uh it's a actually a regular stiff shaft which is a little i think we've talked about this a little bit uh on the pod which is a little odd for me given my swing speed but uh it's tipped a little shorter it's a half inch uh, short and it's an 80 gram shaft so it's a heavier shorter uh shaft but uh, seems to work well for me at least some of the time but uh i've got the uh, three wood and a driver, and then I've got, I love my hybrids. I've got three different hybrids. I don't usually put all three in the bag uh, in one tournament because I, I, uh, I don't play with a four iron. So I've got a, a 19 degree, I've got a 21 degree, and then I've got a 23 degree uh, Titleist uh, H1s, uh, 918s that, um, that I play. And I've I've had a lot more hybrids before, so I love my hybrids, and I'll, I'll move them in and out. My normal setup is usually like a, a three hybrid, so it's my 19-degree, which is kind of like a driving iron type of driving hybrid. I use that off the tee a lot. And then a 23-degree, which is kind of like my four iron, uh, but I play with those a lot. And then, um, you know, kind of going down the range, I got a five-through wedge on my standard iron set. Again, I don't carry a four iron. And I got an old, uh, some old Callaway Razor, tour uh irons that i've had for 
uh, probably since about 2004 when they came out. So I've had them forever. Um, probably, uh, I th- think we'll get to this in a little bit, but it's probably time for a little upgrade there. And then I've got SM7s. Um, I've got a 50, a 54, and a 58 degree. And uh, those will range anywhere from 125 yards and in. Uh, that's kind of where I go from there. And then uh, that's that's kind of where I'm set up. And uh, I, I love my clubs. Uh, I, I like what I've got. Um, time for some new irons and I got to get some new grips on them. I've got the, uh, uh, I, I, I liked the, the ribbed grips that, that I, I played with them for a long, long time. Um, so I, I'll, I'll play with the cords and, uh, maybe slightly oversized, but, uh, I'll, I'll find some new grips to put on for the summer when the golf season really kicks up around here. That uh, seems like not to comment on just your grips, but why wouldn't you just snag some new sticks instead of replacing the grips? Uh, and I probably will, right? But that's the, always, one of the that's problems... always the that's always the excuse that I use to get new clubs. <laughs> like, well, I can replace these grips, and I have like a whole kind of workshop in my garage that I can replace grips, cut down shafts, you know, change tips and stuff like that. But that's always the justification, at least in my head, of well, you know, it's not really worth me putting on buying and putting on more grips when I can just take that and and roll into some new irons. So. And I probably will. The problem is the irons and the brand that I've been stuck on and that I want to try, they don't have a great left-handed selection. So I'm waiting to see if they've got some left-handed selection coming out here so I can hit them to see if I really like them as much as I like them online. What is that? Mm-hmm. What brand is that? <laughs> oh well. So for those for those of you guys who know me and, and know me enough, I, I I love my Japanese products, uh, and uh, those are the Miras, <laughs> and they've got a handful of different uh, collections that are there. Um, their right-handed stuff is awesome. Um, the three of the CV three hundred ones, the 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 they're just they make some of the best looking irons and they just announced today that they've got this black finish and again just the right-handed irons which if anyone's listening to the podcast it's got connections out to mira you gotta gotta get them to to think about their left-handed friends uh, but right now they've only got two different uh, sets of, of left-handed clubs and as as uh as as decent as a ball striker that i am i just a, a muscle back iron is a lot for me to uh, to transition to. So that, that that's going to be a tough one for me to to pull the trigger on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true for all of us. I don't know that with modern technology, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense for anybody to be playing muscle back irons other than two approaches. <laughs> <this point. laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh uh, well, um, in my bag, uh, I have a TSI three Tireless TSI three driver with a uh, Ragin' sixty four X shaft, and uh, which I uh, really like a lot. Um, so um, I don't hit it extremely long, but I would say for a guy my size, I hit it fairly decently. Um, I don't need a ton of distance. Uh, most of the time playing from where I play from on most golf courses from 6,400 to 6,800 yards most of the time, um, you know, I can I can get it out there far enough that, you know, I don't have a ton of long irons into into par fours. Um, but, uh, but I really like this driver. Uh, definitely cut down the spin. It's a new driver for me. I just got it uh, at the beginning of January. And uh, it took my spin rate down to from 
around 3,000 to uh, about uh, 1,800 to 2,100. So a lot less spin, which really helps me uh, keep from hitting the ball um, high and right. Um, so it's it's really nice. Uh, has a has a really good high trajectory. It's a nine degree, but I actually have it tuned down to a to an eight because uh, I launch it at about thirteen degrees. So um, so anyway, um, just kind of the fitting stuff that you learn when you go get fit. But um, but anyway, just really really like that uh, driver a lot. I've I've really enjoyed uh, playing it, and I I seem to to be hitting it well. Um, I have a 915F fairway wood, uh, three wood, um, Titleist, and then a Tor Exotics five wood, um, as my five wood. And then, uh, I have a Wilson Staff UDI V4, um, uh, as my four iron slash hybrid, you know, whatever driving iron kind of thing, um, which I really like. You were talking about, uh, you know, what's a, what's a go-to club on a, you know, on a hole where you just want to make sure you hit the fairway. For me, it'd probably be that club. Um, and, uh, then my irons are, um, I got these a few years ago. They're like three years old, but, uh, Mizuno MP18, uh, SC, so the Slim Cavity, uh, MP18. And, uh, really like these. Um, I have the, C taper light KBS C taper light uh, X one fifteen shafts in those, um, and then probably like I've Nate and I have talked about this on the pod, uh, but right now in my bag my wedges are Kirkland signature wedges from Costco, um, and so um, and I really like them a lot. I I put my Vokies back in my bag because uh, I have a set of Vokies. Uh, I put those back in my bag, and I did not like them as much as I like these Kirkland signature wedges. So I put the Kirklands back in the bag. Uh, it's a 52, 56, 60 setup, which is different than my uh, my my uh, Vokey setup, which is a, a 50, 54, 58 setup. But um, I'm liking it right now, so I'm just kind of sticking with it. Um, and uh, and then I also I have a sick. Uh, Sick putter, uh, it's the Pro C series, uh, the same putter that Bryson DeChambeau uh, plays. So that is uh, what is currently in my bag, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, the the driver and the putter are new. Um, and then uh, I'm looking at you know, I uh, Nate has a couple of irons. We'll talk about his bag in just a second, but he has a couple of irons that I'm probably going to buy off of him. Uh, to to kind of give me more of a combo set uh, with my uh, with my five and my six iron uh, going to something that uh, that he has uh, that that he doesn't or isn't planning on playing. So yeah, so that's a great transition. I'm I'm all about combo sets. Um, you know, I think I'm a pretty good ball striker, uh, but I always like having. Um, a little more forgiveness in the six, five, and, and four iron range. And so the, the set of irons that I currently have in the bag right now are Mizuno 919 Tours, seven through Pitching Wedge. And then I had the five and six iron of the Forge version, which is kind of a step up, a little bit more forgiveness. Um, you know, same shaft, uh, the, the Project X 6.0 LZ. Um, 
but I had the forged five and six irons. I didn't really like those as much as I thought I would. Um, the, the lofts are a little stronger than what I'm used to, so I hit them much further, which creates larger gaps. So I'm actually in the process of creating my own kind of uh, another version of a combo set. I'm going to send the five and six irons up to Derek. Hopefully he loves them because they match his kind of Mizunos that he has. And I am in the process of snagging some T Titleist T100S, uh, the black five and six iron, to match the 50-degree wedge that I have in my bag as well. So I'm, it's kind of a weird tinkering way to, to get to the project, but, you know, to get to the combo set. But I, I absolutely love those uh, T100S irons. I, I have the five iron and the wedge right now. Uh, the six iron's on the way. I hit the five iron in the wedge really, really well, um, so I'm I'm excited for that. I have um, I have a Bentonardi putter. I use the same putter that I've had since I was a sophomore in college. Um, it's the uh, the Mizuno mallet version of the Bentonardi putter. Um, I have I, I counted just because I knew we were going to cover this topic. I have seven putters sitting in my office at home. Um, but I always, I always go back to this one. Uh, it has plenty of rust, plenty of kind of wear spots on the face, but, um, it, it's just the putter that I like, uh, the most. So that, that's, what's in my bag. And I also have Bentonardi wedges. Um, so I carry, I carry the 50 is my Titleist, uh, T100. So I have a 50 degree wedge and then I have a 54 and a 58. Uh, the 54 is the Bentonardi H2. And then I have the new... Um, 58, uh, I think it's the H3 or, or whatever it is, the high helix design, whatever their newest model is. Uh, I've got that probably in the last six months. Um, it's kind of got the milled feel to it. it the, the face is, is really, really nice and it's really, really soft. So I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Bentonardi and, and their work, both with the putters and the wedges. Um, I know Derek mentioned he had a, uh, a Wilson staff, uh, four iron. I have the newer version of that one. Um, the, the Wilson staff model 24 degree, I think I bent it to 23 degrees. So it's kind of a three and a half, four iron fits my gapping, um, a really good, like 230, 225, 230 club for me. I carry a, uh, an M2 five wood an M3 three wood. And I have a, uh, um, a master fit driver, uh, a low spin series, uh, master fits, a local golf shop here in Jacksonville. Uh, I had an M one an M two, and I got the, uh, I got the master fit uh, originally from a friend. The head fits on the, the tailor-made adapter tips. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in the simulator, uh, it outperformed, uh, the tailor, the other two tailor maids that I had. So Eric Fisher got my M1 and I think I, Derek, you might've got the M2. Did I give you the M2? I can't remember what happened with those. Um, but I've had that in my bag since probably 2017. I absolutely love that driver. Uh, I have it set to, uh, to 11 degrees. Um, I hit down on the ball. I have a negative angle of attack. So, uh, this driver is particularly suited with me. Like Bob mentioned, I'm a big shaft person. Um, I, I think that's a really important part that most golfers overlook is making sure that they have a shaft that kind of fits the profile of what they need it to do. I use the tour, the black version of the tour ADDI six X in my driver, the seven X, which is kind of the orange one in my three wood. And then in my five wood, I have the, uh, 
the Matrix Altus uh, 8X. So, um, you know, I, I currently really like my setup. The Mizuno irons have always felt great to me. Um, you know, I, I was excited to snag those probably around October of last year. Uh, I'm a chronic eBay purchaser. So if there's a great deal of clubs, a great deal of, of any type of golf club on eBay, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to snag it. So that's what's currently uh, in my bag. I will say, I, if Nate ever decides that uh, he's going to move on from golf, I'm actually really concerned about the equipment industry and the <laughs> lack of revenue that's going to come from there. So I, it, it he. You talk about DeShambo tinkering with his swing and his mechanics and, and more so than anyone on tour. I, I know a lot of golfers. I've played with a lot of guys. And Nate definitely tinkers with his clubs and has different sets. Uh, seven putters, I, actually a little light to me. I'm, I'm surprised it's not more, to be totally honest. Because <laughs> I, I think in the 10 or 15 years that, I, that I've known you, I think I've seen you play with at least 10 different putters. Um, yeah, and probably I've true. seen multiple putters in your bag at the same time. Uh, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've I've tried to I've tried to eliminate some of that. I know I Forsty has been the beneficiary of that over the years. Derek has been the benefit. My dad, so I've I've tried to eliminate some of that stuff. Um, but you know, you 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 like what you like, and, and like I said, I have a kind of a little workshop out in the garage where if I haven't been able to go play golf, I can change some grips or mess around with a shaft or a club. I it's just it's a way to do some golf related activities that keeps you engaged in the game. So. The the one question that I want to ask you guys, so two, well, I guess technically it's two questions. Um, it, if you had to hit a fairway, um, regardless of the distance, uh, what club are you going to pick? You know, let's say you're coming down the stretch of a tournament and you need to find a fairway. The hole's not overly long, so anything in the fairway will work and will set up a, a relatively short shot. Uh, what club are you going to hit? And secondly, if you have a par three over water, what is the distance that you feel kind of, you know, what club would you hit and what distance is, is that in your bag? Well, I, I'll tell you, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this one. I love this question because this is actually happened to me uh, in September. Uh, I was in a, in a tournament and I got, it was a two-day tournament. I got, got down to the 18th hole uh, and I was tied with the guy that I was playing with and we were well ahead of the rest of the field. Uh, so we knew it was kind of just us. And uh, he had the honors and his first shot, he he pushed into the trees and it was a par five and it was not one that I was going to reach anyways. Uh, and it was kind of a hard dog leg left. If you guys, if anyone's watched the Dinosaur Championship at, on the LPGA Tour, it's uh, it was the ninth hole. That was our 18th hole. It was that one, which is a hard dog leg left. Uh, and it's about 240 to the corner. So we were in that same spot and I was not driving it well that day. Uh, that was, that was a day that, uh, I was hooking it hard, uh, with everything in my bag. And I had to answer that exact question. I got to find the fairway. If I find the fairway, good chance I make par. I know the guy I'm playing with is par is going to be a tough score for him. Bogey is probably where he's going to end up. And, uh, I grabbed my 23 degree hybrid. I hit it about 220 right down the middle and ended up making a par on that hole. But uh, that that that's my club. If I got, if I got to find a fairway, that uh, that hybrid is there. If it's a little longer, I'll, I'll go to a three wood. But I much prefer hitting that hybrid. Uh, it just shorter club. Obviously, it, it's about two twenty off the tee. But that's that's my club. 
Yeah. So, um, if I am trying to hit a fairway, um, I am, I am definitely going to go with my, uh, my UDI, uh, Wilson staff, uh, four iron. Um, and, and that's just because I have a lot of confidence that I basically every time I hit it, I strike it solid. Um, I don't, it, you know, sometimes it has a little bit more bend than, than others, but I, I feel fairly confident that I'm going to hit it solid and have a solid strike. And I've even had a couple of experiences where, you know, I can, I feel like I can put it back in my stance a little bit and I can flight it a little bit lower and hit it kind of a more of a little stinger, uh, where I get a little bit of release and a little bit of roll out as well. Um, so distance isn't necessarily a problem, um, especially in the summer when, you know, you're playing on hard, fast Bermuda, like I play on in North Carolina. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what I would be my go-to like fairway finder. Uh, you know, if I'm wanting to make a par or if I'm wanting to give myself a, you know, at least a decent chance at making a birdie and hitting a green, um, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely, uh, go to that club for sure. Yeah, for me, I think for some of those same reasons, um, I think it's my five wood. I feel like that's the most versatile club that I have in my bag. So if I want to flight it down, if I want to hit it high and soft or hit a draw, hit a cut, the five wood, and it's an M2 five wood, so it's a little bit older than what typically hangs around in my bag. I usually recycle some of that stuff pretty quickly. Um, but uh, but that, that five wood is great. I actually bought it from one of Robbie's buddies, um, who, who he knew from work was selling a three and a five wood, bought both of them, didn't like the three wood, but loved the five wood. So, um, I absolutely love that club. I, I can't, it's like my favorite club in the bag. I can't imagine it going anywhere. Um, you know, if I need something 240, 250, uh, whether that's to a par five or even off the tee, that that's definitely what I reach for. And so the, the second part of that, like if I had to hit like a certain distance, um, like a par three over water, I think of a hole and I know you guys have, have, Bob, you may have played there back in the day, but there's a, there's like an Island green at, uh, the, the Ponte Vedra Inn and club for number nine. And it usually plays about 135, which is a perfect, uh, 50 degree gap wedge for me. I usually hit that between 130, 135. So I can take a nice stock uh, swing. That's a, that's a yardage that I feel really comfortable with, whether that's into a par four, laying up on a par five to that number. Um, obviously I could, I could hit a little bit closer and hit a, you know, 54, 58, but I, I feel really consistent that I can, uh, that I can hit that number if I absolutely have to. Yeah, I would say for me, that club is my nine iron. So, uh, I feel pretty dialed when I have the nine iron in my hand. Like I, I feel as confident, uh, with that in my hand as anything. So, uh, if I get something, if I get something that's 140 to 150, I'm, 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 I'm excited because I know that that's a nine iron for me. And, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to hit a pretty, uh, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a chance at making, you know, a birdie putt. So I feel, I feel like I'm going to hit the green every single time from, from that yardage with that club. Yeah. I, I think for me, there, there's a, there's three parts to that question. Uh, the, the first one, and Nate, you alluded to this, but if you got to lay up on a par five, right, what number are you laying up to? Uh, and to me, that's closer to about 80 yards. Uh, that's a, 
that's a nice 58 degree little spinner for me that I practice all the time. So that, that's what I'm really comfortable with, but there's not a lot of par threes that are 80 yards over the water. Uh, and if there are, I haven't, haven't found any yet, uh, right. but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I, my, uh, my eight iron and I get along really well for that. When I need to have a shot and I got a, I got a swing, um, I, I will, I'll take my eight iron all day, which is a 155. Um, and I feel really good that that's, uh, if I need to hit a 160, I can, but a nice stock controlled, uh, 155 number, uh, I really like, uh, but that said, if, if I'm playing against somebody and I had to choose a hole that I said, Hey, this is the distance uh, over water that uh, you've got to you got to carry and you got to you got to beat them on. Uh, I'll go back to my hybrid and I'll say I want about a 190 or 200 yard carry and I'll make the other person hit that shot all day because I, I know I'm confident. I might not get it close to the you know to the hole and I might not have a birdie putt, but I feel pretty confident that uh, if I got a 200 yard carry that I'll. I'll hit that, especially off the tee, any any time, and feel really comfortable that uh, uh, whoever I'm playing against will be a lot more intimidated by that shot than I would be. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. So, last question about equipment, and then we'll move on. And we're trying to be conscious of uh, of our time here. But uh, any any upgrades? What do you think the uh, looking forward into 2021? What uh, what kind of purchases are you guys thinking about? Um, I'm thinking of a new um, iron set. Um, so I'm I don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, I, I I I don't make as much money as you guys do, so probably not mirrors. Uh, but um, but I am thinking about a new iron set. I'm looking for something with a little bit stronger loss, actually. Um, so I play, you know what currently has been kind of always a standard uh gapping and standard loft setup of i guess traditional uh you know lofts on clubs and and i would like to have a little bit more distance um just in um in my own game because i would like to i would like to be able to I feel like where where my game begins to become a little bit more difficult in gapping is um is up up toward the top of my um like i can hit i can hit my seven iron um sometimes and my six iron you know just as far as i can hit my five iron and um you know it it just it it gets a little bit frustrating that like i don't feel like i'm getting as much out of the top end of my um my irons and um so anyway, I would like to get to a point where you know I can hit my five iron. Right now, I hit it one ninety. I'd like to be able to hit my five iron two hundred yards, um, and because of my gap between you know that four and my five right now is like one ninety to you know two ten two fifteen, and so it's it just it gets in my mind it just gets a little bit too far away. You know, I don't have a good. I have to. I feel like I have to take too much off of the four to be able to swing it like I want to swing it. If it's a 200 yard shot, I feel like I have to swing it easy, and then I, you know, I don't hit it as solid or or whatever. So um, I like to just be able to take a full swing and 
And I feel like some of the gapping at the top end of my irons are, are giving me problems with that. So uh, part of the reason why I'm interested in those irons that you have is because they're a little bit stronger. Um, so might help with that. Um, but I'm also, um, but I, w- I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to getting more distance all throughout my iron set. Okay. Makes sense. I think yeah. I would have, I mean, not that I, I haven't tried a couple since I've had the master fit over the last five or six years, but, um, I think this year might be the year where I find a new driver. I don't know what that's going to be. Um, and the hard part, the daunting part about finding a new driver is I have to find a head that I like that you can look down on and, and have some confidence with, but you also have to find a shaft that, that pairs with that. And I'm pretty particular about, you know, what kind of a mid to high launch, but low spin. Cause again, hitting, you know, having that negative angle of attack, sometimes my launch numbers can get, you know, a little, a little low. So, um, you know, there, there's some research that we have to do to figure out what that looks like. But I think by the time we're playing Pinehurst, June or July, I'd, I'd like to have another driver in the bag, I think. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Nate with a new driver and see if you can add more distance to that one. That'd be fun to watch. Good so. Lord, that'd be scary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will you know, say, I, 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 hit it, I hit my driver really well when Derek and I played Pinehurst number four. Last yeah, you time, did. Actually, I those guys thought I was a professional golfer. Those randoms <laughs> that we got paired <laughs> they, with. Yeah, the guy that had the the hitch in his swing, like Barkley. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. Yeah, and you know, I I, uh, I would love to get some new irons. Uh, realistically, that probably won't happen. Even though uh, I I'll probably talk about it for the next six months and and not do it. But uh, I do need new wedges. The wedges that I've got now are probably 150 rounds in or so. Uh, so their grooves are getting a little worn. So the wedges are probably the next, uh, next realistic purchase. And I've got SM sevens right now. I like them. I might, you know, stick with the, uh, you know, stick with the, the Titleists, but uh, I'll open it up, see what else is out there. Um, I, I used to play Callaway or uh, Cleveland wedges and I used to love the, the old Cleveland wedges, but, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see later in the summer. Uh, again, probably before any, any big golf trip, we'll, uh, we'll, switch them out and get something a little crisper uh, grooves in them. That's going to be important at Pinehurst too, with all those closely mown areas. Dude. And mm-hmm. those yeah. turtleback greens will yeah. eat you alive. If you can't stop the ball. Yeah. You have to hit everything very crisp. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was a, a cool segment about equipment, I think. So Derek, do we want to look ahead to the, uh, to the players? I'm lucky enough. And you guys know this, I'm, I'm heading out there tomorrow for a practice round, so I'm excited. Uh, got the day off work. Already got my out of office up. Everybody in the office is going to handle everything for me so that I can go walk around <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. and take a look at some stuff with the practice round. So I'm excited to get out there and do that. But what do you guys think uh, looking forward to uh, to the action at the players? Well, you know, I, I was doing some research, and I looked at um, – I looked at the last two winners, and I, there was an interesting stat that really stood out to me when I was looking at the last two winners, which were Webb Simpson and Rory McIlroy. Um, and it was that Rory, only 15% of his strokes gained uh, when he won in 2019 were around or on the green, where when Webb won in 2018, 95% of his strokes gained were on or around the green, which kind of tells you that like it doesn't 
like you can almost win with any kind of game as long as you have some game. <laughs> like it's, it's it's like if you're putting it well, you could you could walk away the winner. If you're striking it well, you could walk away the winner. Um, and and so to me, it was just it was one of those it was one of those aspects where Webb he he only gained like four percent four point eight percent of his um strokes gained came from tee to green, which I thought was interesting. Um, where Rory was like you know, 84%. So, um, very different, uh, players. Uh, but, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I like Xander. Um, I, I have him in my lineup this week. So if, if I'm, I'm looking at my DraftKings lineup right now, I, I picked up Xander at, uh, 10,300. Uh, and so he's kind of my A player. Um, and then I picked up Justin Thomas who has played really, really well in his last three starts. Um, I expect him to play well again this week. Um, he just he strikes the ball way too well, and uh, and I think you know his putter is starting to find form uh, a little bit more, and so I I like him to play well this week. Adam Scott has never finished outside of the top twelve um, at the players, and so I have him in my lineup at eighty one hundred dollars, um, and Tommy Fleetwood. Mm, um, yeah. has a good track record as well at the players, yeah. and he also comes in playing well from the eight, from the Arnold yeah. Palmer Invitational. So I have him at 7,900. Uh, I picked Lee Westwood again, um, has a really good track record at the players as well, uh, and he was a great value at 7,200. He's in great form. And then uh, Andrew Putnam uh, was my low man, but 6,300, so great value again. Um, and I picked him just because of his current form has been really solid. Um, and he's, he's top five in his last two events. So, um, I, I, I am trying, uh, just to kind of go off of current form, but also, you know, I mean, you, you think about those guys at the top, like Shoffley and, and Justin Thomas, they basically have a chance to win any golf tournament that they play in. So, um, so anyway, I'm, I am, uh, I'm high on Xander, as I think a lot of the other people are this week. Um, I think he's he's one of the favorites, if not the favorite. Um, and you know, I I really also I I would say that I really like Rory, except for the fact that there's never been back to back winners at, at the players, and so that that stat kind of scares me from picking him. Um, but John Rom, yeah, you know, quietly John Rom held the 54 hole lead two years ago. And, um, and I think, you know, he's, he's got five top tens this year and made nine out of nine cuts. So, I mean, I think, I think he's in good enough form that he could, he could easily play well and win. Um, you know, obviously you also have Hovland and Cantlay and some of those other guys, Tony Finau, obviously back in, back in the field this week. Um, and, and if anybody's playing better than Tony, I'd be surprised, but I'll pick Xander this week. That'd be my pick. Nice, and I'm just well, going to go with a uh, with a winner's pick this week. But I am all in on Webb. Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson. Web. I, I think his type of game plays well at Sawgrass. Right? You mentioned it. Um, it on and around the greens is really where this tournament is uh, is won. I think if he can strike the ball well enough to put himself in position to where he's not, um, you know, uh, really struggling. I think he's going to have uh, a chance, a good chance, because you know he has some of those good feelings. And I don't know that it necessarily counts with Rory being the quote unquote defending champion, because theoretically this wasn't played. You know, the event wasn't played last year. 
This is when the shutdown happened. So it's technically been two years. And I think Rory actually had a soundbite about that today. Like it feels like it was forever ago, right? Right. Like a lifetime mm-hmm. ago yep. that, that I won the players. So, um, but I think Webb has always kind of played well here. I think he's in pretty good form. He's been good this year. And I think this could be a week that he kind of puts it all together. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Because I think him, you know, you think of Webb, you think of Kucher, you know, those types of guys. I, I think um, I think this course, to your point, Derek, with the, the stats that you talked about, if you're playing well, any type of golfer can come in and win. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have any type of predisposition to a guy like Bryson, right? Like if you come in and hit it 370, you're going to have a better chance. I don't think that's the case. I, and I think no. that's the beauty of Sawgrass. Yeah, not with the rough and not with all those, you know. I, I think that a lot of these greens are, are guarded by, by you know, really difficult uh, bunkers and, and water even. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think you get much of an advantage except maybe on like holes like 11 – um, and you know, 12 is drivable for everybody in the field. So, um, right. you know, like uh, 11, I think is a par five, pretty long par five. Um, and you know, nine, I think is a pretty long par five, which nobody um, really goes for anyway. No so, one really goes yeah. for, but, but Bryson might am, but I don't know that, it, you know, but, but the green is really small and it's protected by tons of stuff up there. Well, it Lots is of and- mounds and. Like and the stuff. driving the driving area is kind of restricted due to the water that cuts in up right. there on the right side. So, you know, that that's the cool part about I think the way the the course is designed is it doesn't necessarily favor anybody, right? I think the yeah. guys who are going to hit that ball 280 to 300 yards and then hit it down there and have a wedge in are going to play that hole significantly better over the course of the week than a guy who tries to pound something up there. And, and kind of like what Bob talks about, take on that risk of the drive and take on the risk of that second shot because they're going to be the ones that are struggling for par when the other guys are, you know, they may not make birdie every single time, but they're certainly not making a bogey, which is, right. which is kind of the goal, getting the ball around Sawgrass. Right, yep. Well, that's, yeah, yeah that, that's why I was going through who my picks were. And at first I was leaning heavily towards John Rom. You talk about the sneaky 54 hole leader and just, uh, how he'd been playing recently. Uh, he's, he's on my short list. Uh, but I'm going to tell you guys, uh, it's going to be Jordan Spieth by a million. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> uh, I hope you're right uh, though. I yeah, hope you're right. I, did, I, would, by I, a I million. would not be upset. No one would be upset about that. Start the hashtag yeah. here. Hashtag Spieth by a million. <laughs> he, uh, he, I, I still, even now, I, there's really no one else around the green who I, I think putts better than he does on a consistent basis. His his bunker play is phenomenal, even for these guys who are all really good bunker play. He is his his bunker play is awesome uh, all around the uh, all around the green. So I, I, he doesn't have to hit it straight. He doesn't have to hit it long. Um, he can he can find a way to make a par. Uh, and then when he hits the fairway and on the par threes, when he's got a clean shot at it, I think he'll find his birdies. And uh, I, I think Spieth wins, and uh, I, I think he wins by a million. Well, it was interesting. Uh, Justin Thomas in his press conference today said that, you know, he, well, I don't, you know, they're they're really good friends, right? But 
he said something to the effect of, well, yeah, he's back. You know, he's back to doing Jordan Spieth type things. Like I know, and, and he basically said, like, I know it's been a minute since we've seen it, but the stuff that he was able to do, you know, not everybody can do, and he's doing that stuff again. So I think that bodes yeah. really well that Justin Thomas and some of the other tour pros are, are seeing it. And, you know, nobody in the, I don't think anybody would be upset if he won. Right. He, he is. Yeah. Right. Everybody likes him. He's well loved. And so I, I hope you're right. I, I'll I can get on board, you know, speed by a million. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I didn't I didn't see. I I was looking, honestly, I was looking for uh, the guy who finished second two years ago. You know who that was? No. The home. The home man himself, Jim Furyk, finished oh, okay. solo second. Ah, yeah. Jim and Furyk. I, I, if Jim Furyk was in the field, but I don't think he is. Hmm. And 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 if, but if he was in the field, I would I would be hard pressed not to say that Jim Furyk has a good week. <laughs> He's been in good form, and and obviously he knows Sawgrass really well. So, but I'm not seeing his name uh, listed as anybody in the field. So, um, looks like he's not in it. That's unfortunate. So, which is sad, you know. He, yeah. yeah. I guess you don't. I guess you don't get an automatic invite for finishing second. Which I would think you should, but I guess you don't. <laughs> you do not. No, I don't yeah. think that's how that works. Yeah, you definitely should. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, uh, well, I I have enjoyed this conversation. I think it's been a great conversation. A little bit longer than some of our other pods, but I think uh, still really great content talking about um, all of this stuff and. And, uh, and even getting to hear about what's in our, uh, bag. We actually have some pictures. We'll be posting that on our Instagram. So make sure you go and follow us at front nine golf podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can always, like I said, wherever you listen to this, you can like subscribe, comment, um, share, please, uh, all of those kinds of things. And, uh, we are really enjoying doing this. Uh, just for the sheer fact that it's golf buddies getting to hang out and talk about golf, but uh, hopefully you're enjoying listening to it maybe with your golf buddies and talking more about the things we've talked about with your golf buddies, and uh, and we can't wait to be back with you next week. So uh, have a good week, enjoy the players, and we'll talk to you next week.